I ministered a message called Let It Go. And uh, the Lord has impressed on me today that he wanted me to keep moving along in that. So we're going to continue to talk about that subject tonight. I'll review enough so if you weren't here, you'll be fine. Okay, so don't worry about that. Um, you know, when I, when I finished Bible school in 1993, uh, the Lord spoke to me in words right after I finished school. And he said, and now your education begins. I didn't really like the sound of that very much. I have to be very, very honest with you. Because I just finished, you know, I'd previously done five years of college, and then I took some other classes, and then I went to Bible school, and then he tells me my education was about to begin. But I'll tell you what he meant by that. He meant that the application of, of what, I had a lot of stuff up here. You understand? You're in Bible school and you learn a lot. But, but as far as obeying that, what I knew, and walking that out and applying it to my life, mm, I had a lot of work to do. And, and he knew that. He wasn't unkind about it. He just said, and now we're going to begin. And you know what? Life's a lot like that. We start walking things out, don't we? All right, we don't go from zero to 100 in, in one day in, in our Christian walk. You know, we, we, we look around, and, and it's easy in church to think everybody around you has their act together, and you're the only one going, eh, I'm not doing that good, okay? But that's ridiculous. Everybody feels that way. Almost everybody feels that way. And, and, and so God loves you. Do you understand that? He, he wants you to succeed. In his mind, you've already succeeded because he sees where you're headed. He knows the end from the beginning. If you read the end of the Bible, you see we win. All right, we're all there in heaven, standing before the throne, worshiping our God. It's awesome. But 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 as we walk life out, you know, as we walk out this life, it, it feels like we're struggling sometimes. And we'll, we'll, there's there's some scriptures that say that exact same thing. But but let's just take a few minutes. I want to go ahead and uh, have you turn. Uh, let's see, where should I have you turn? Uh, turn over to Judges 17, and, and we'll get there eventually, okay? You know, but think back for a minute, if you're not a teenager, there's a few teenagers in the room, but not very many, but think back to life when you were a teenager, and if you weren't that teenager, you knew teenagers who, uh, who really wished there were no rules. They just felt like rules were uh, a pain to their life, that they were cumbersome and heavy and unnecessary. And, and uh, I, I've, I talked to enough teenagers that, that I know things have not changed since I was a teenager. But, you know, it, it, it seemed as a teenager that everybody wanted to tell you what to do. Everybody wanted to, you know, school had rules. Mom and dad had rules. The babysitter, if you were that young, had rules. Uh, the coach had rules. I mean, it just goes on and on. The boys club, the YMCA, everybody had rules. And every game you wanted to play, and if you were a boy, I don't know about the girls, but you know, we'd go down to the a field where we liked to play near our house, and then we'd argue about the rules because there was always somebody who wanted to change the rules and make a different rule. And did the girls do that too, or just the boys? I don't know. Anyway, uh, my wife's nodding her head, so, so maybe that. But see, a world without rules would not work. Do you understand that? I, I was in Mexico City some years ago, and, and I, I don't. 
I, I don't pretend that I understand the culture of Mexico and Mexico City 100%, but here's how it seemed to me that no one paid any attention whatsoever to any traffic light. That, that none, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this, I'm saying zero, okay? They would, they would all be driving and the light would change and they're still driving and driving and pretty soon the people this way got tired of these people driving and started honking and entering the intersection and everybody else going this way or this way would start honking and then everyone was honking and then pretty soon these people all stopped and these people started going until these people got tired of that. The, the lights were completely meaningless. And, and what was really funny to me is that, that when, if I honk my horn, I am probably, I have a big frown on my face and I am unhappy and I'm honking my horn because I am unhappy. When you were with the, the Mexican people who live in Mexico City, the residents of Mexico City, they're just talking away to you and, and got their hand on the horn and they're not, they're not upset at all. They're just talking to you and, yeah, we're going to go eat after a while. You know, and they're just, eh. it's like, it was very interesting, but, but it was chaos. It was anarchy. And that's how life would be if we didn't have any rules or expectations. You know, God, uh, in, in Genesis 6, the Bible says that God looked down on the wickedness of man. This is right before the flood. And, and, and he regretted creating mankind because it was absolute chaos. And if you look in Judges, Judges, okay, so the, the, the timeline for Judges is Moses led the children, out of, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he led them into the promised land. Well, Joshua did. And after Joshua died, there were periodic judges that led Israel because they had no king. And there was no succession from Joshua to the next leader. So they would go for a period of time where they had no leader. And then a leader would rise up and lead till they died. And then no leader. And then a leader would rise up. But, but look in Judges 17 in verse... Six And it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Okay, if you don't understand that that's a recipe for disaster, then you just don't understand, okay? That's a recipe for disaster. That's not freedom, like I said. That's anarchy. But the Bible does talk about true freedom. If you were to turn over to Galatians chapter 5, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. But, but it's funny because we were talking in men's Bible study about how some translations change the words because they don't understand what the verse actually is trying to say. This is, this is one of those that they'll alter the words a bit because it's cumbersome the way it's written. But if you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Well, I, I was talking to a minister one day, and, and uh, they said to me, I always thought that was double talk till I heard you talk about it. Like, no, it's not double talk. I want to explain it to you, so just so you understand. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Do you understand that you have been set free? You know, you have been set free to live your life in Christ when you receive Jesus into your life, and only then... But once you receive Jesus into your life, you can actually walk in freedom. But many, many people in the church, in fact, I would say there's probably not a person in this room that's walking 100% in freedom. 
But it's for freedom that he set you free. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk out your life and carry out your mission on this planet, the reason he put you here. He wants you to complete that. He's excited about that. But you know what? Brother Hagen said this, and I hated, the, I hated the fact that he said this. But when he said it, I thought, you know, I know that's true. He said, some people live and die and never get to the first phase of the ministry that God had for them. Ouch. But you know what's because they never realize they're free. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a true story, but I, I, I hesitate to tell you this because it involves animal cruelty. So just hang with me, okay? There's a reason I'm telling you this. In 1967, there was a guy named Seligman who decided to do this experiment that would be considered absolutely taboo and unethical today, but he got away with doing it in 1967. And what he did was he put dogs in kennels, and half of the dogs, I'm, I'm kind of minimizing the story, but just track with me, half of the dogs he put in kennels with the doors open, and half the dogs he put in kennels with the doors locked. And then he put a mild electric shock on the caves, on the caves, on the, on the cages, and the dogs that were, had the doors open ran out because they were intelligent, you understand, right? The dogs that were trapped in their cages eventually just whimpered and sat there. So then he opened the doors for all the dogs and did it again. And the dogs that had never had a locked door ran out because they were intelligent. And the dogs that were in the, the, dogs that were in the cages with the doors shut even with the door open, they just lay there and took it. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Get past the animal cruelty part and, and think about that for a minute because that is how people act. Is it not? You know it is. I mean, how many people have you seen stay in situations that no one in their right thinking would ever stay in? You know what I'm talking about. You know, people live in sin and live in, in, in ways that they don't want to live. God doesn't want them to live. Nobody wants them to live except they just stay there. Why on earth would they do that? Well, because it's familiar. It's what I've always done. I can't help it. I can't stop it. I can't fix it. And that's the human condition that God came and he said, no, 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 I'm sending Jesus, I'm sending my name, I'm giving him authority so they can walk out of this, so they can walk out life and walk in victory. That's what he wants for you. He doesn't want you trapped in a situation, trapped in sin, trapped in negative you know, thinking. He doesn't want you trapped in any of that. He wants you set free and walking free and living free. And so it's, it's super important that we talk about this. Now, there's a few things we should talk about. Number one, he set us free from sin. And, you know, Romans 6.14 says this, and I'm just going to read this to you. You can write that down if you want. But Romans 6.14 says this, Sin shall not be master over you, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So he's given us his grace, and sin, therefore, because he set us free, is not our master anymore. Amen. Now, when... If you're not a Christian, if you've never received Jesus into your life, sin is your master. But all you have to do is receive Jesus, and that's done. And, and, and are you going to feel different? Maybe, maybe not. But will you be different? Oh, absolutely. You will be 
100% difference. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. I mean, of something that's never existed before. You are changed inside 100%. Now, if you had gray hair before you asked Jesus into your life, you're still going to have gray hair. If, if you had very little hair, you will still have very little hair. If you were 22 pounds overweight, you're still going to be 22 pounds overweight. If you were shorter than you wanted to be, you're still going to be shorter than you wanted to be. That's just the way it is. But inside, you're going to be 100% different. And are you going to be able to? Are you going to be able to just walk that out instantly and, and okay, I'm a different person. I'm going to live 100% differently now. No, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. There's a verse that says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's like, it's kind of like getting dressed one piece at a time, all right? You know, I don't put both socks on at the same time. I put one on at a time. And you know what? God's going to work in one area of your life at a time. If you have 19 things that you're beating yourself up about and you think it's God, I can just tell you right now that's not God. He's never going to do that to you. First of all, he's never going to beat you up because he loves you. And second of all, he is only going to work on one area at a time in your life. When I did adoption work back in the day, I did adoption work for 11 and a half years. And, you know, we'd, we were placing some children who had been in state custody and some of them were older. I mean, I placed, the oldest kid I placed was 17, if you can imagine. Uh, they were a really great kid, though, so, you know. But, but I placed a lot of kids that were older. And, and, you know, they were used to living somewhere else. And they were used to somebody else's rules. And uh, some of them, you know, acted like they'd never seen a rule before. I mean, I had kids that the parents, the adoptive parents would say, they eat like an animal. I'm like, well, then teach them not to. But, but I, we'd tell him, don't work on everything at once. I'm sure there's a lot of things that need to be worked on. Don't work on all of them at once. Just work on one thing. And we'd recommend one thing. We'd tell him, just start with chores. Start with a chore that they have to do every day and, and work your way into other things. But you know what? Once those kids learn to do their chore, almost all the other areas lined up too. Why is that? I don't know. I just know that it worked, and it worked over and over and over and over and over, hundreds of kids. So, eh, you know what? God's smart. He's smart. So he's not going to work on 19 things in your life. So one of the things that we know we've been set free from is sin. Um, I do want you to turn over to Acts 13, so you could do that while I'm talking here. Um, second of all, we're, we're set free from the law. If you read the Old Testament law, uh, one of our staff was talking to somebody recently, and they were like, yeah, how do I obey all that stuff? It's like, no, you don't have to. Jesus set us free from that. He gave us one law. Now, how many of you understand that one law is easier than hundreds of laws? You understand that, right? You know, if I, if I, uh, if I, if I uh, gave Pastor Edwin a hundred chores and I gave Lisa one chore, one's much easier to do than a hundred, okay? A hundred would even be hard to keep track of. I had a job once, they gave me one thing to do. I was like, I went in and talked to my, my supervisor and I said, okay, I don't know about other people who work here, but one thing is not enough to do for me. He goes, well, I can give you another one. I'm not, no, 
No, because I can't handle being bored. Bored is my worst thing, so I need you to give me no fewer than 10 things because, okay, one thing, I have to send off an email to this person, now I'm sitting here waiting for them to get back to me. They probably have a thousand things to do, and you know it may take them four days to get back to me. I'm not sitting here for four days waiting for that email. Please give me 10 things at least to do. And he goes, 10? I'm like, at least. He gave me 10. I had them done in two days. Anyway. <laughs> I, I just don't like to be bored. That's, that's not my thing. But anyway, we've been set free, my point, is we've been set free from the law. And all this stuff that weighed on them and that they couldn't do, and there were too many things to keep track of, they didn't have to do. Jesus gave one law, and that was to love. And if you love, you're going you're gonna to actually fulfill almost every other law that was given to curb sin in the Old Testament. But you don't have to think about that. All you have to think about is love. Now, do we think about love? No, because the enemy doesn't want you to think about love. He's beating you up about your past, about something you did this week, about the way you dealt with somebody or talked to somebody or the way you handled something. He's just going to beat you up every chance he gets so that you can't think about love. But you know what? We have to learn to not listen to him. So he set us free from sin. He set us free from the law. He set us free from the authority of the devil. You know, I think that uh, in, in 2 Timothy 2, I'm going to read this to you, but, I, but you, you stay in Acts 13, all right? 2 Timothy 2, 25 says this, 25 and 26. With gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, he's talking to Timothy about dealing with people in his church, in, or people out of the church, but with gentleness correcting those in opposition, if perhaps God might grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they can come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. See, see, people who are not on board with God don't know that they're being led around by the enemy, by the devil, but they are. And, and, and Jesus set us free from that. He set us free from the authority of the enemy, and, and if you look in Luke chapter 10, we're not going to go there, but if you look there, you're going to find out that, that you have authority and nothing is allowed to hurt you. Well, why do things hurt me? Because you don't know that you have authority to stop it. But you've been set free and the Lord will walk you into that. He'll walk you through that. But what, what, uh, what is our freedom that Jesus purchased for us? Well, I can tell you this. It's all encompassing. Are you in Acts 13? All right. Acts 13, verse 38. Look at that verse. I did this verse, you know, it, I've read it. I couldn't even tell you how many times. And one day I saw this. I'd never noticed it before. But it says this. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through him, meaning Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And look at this. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed from through the law of Moses. You know, the, the, the law wasn't given to be a burden. The law, the Old Testament law that we've been set free from, was given to stop sin and to, to create holiness. But you know what? It, it, it was, if, if they followed it, which they weren't able to, but had they followed it, it would have set them free. It would have made them holy. It would have made them righteous had they been able to follow it, but they were not. 
and no one did until Jesus. But do you see that verse? Look at that again. It says, we're freed from all things. Do you see that? Do you understand what that means? There is nothing that you're not free from. Well, I don't feel free. Well, I was trapped in alcoholism, or I was addicted to this, or I can't stop doing this. Okay, okay. But you know what? As far as God's concerned, you're free from it, and you just got to learn how to get there, all right? It, it isn't his fault that, that we're not walking 100% free. He freed us. We're free. It's just like those dogs. The door's open. They could walk out. They just didn't. But you know what? In Christ, we're able to be free from anything hurtful, harmful, sinful, anything distracting, anything that wants to, captive, to make us a captive. We're free from all of it. There's not one thing. I want you to think about that. There isn't one thing that, that, that he hasn't set us free from. Now, does that mean we won't have any challenges in this world? No, of course not. Jesus dealt with that. There were actual storms that he dealt with. He was tired. You know, he, he, you know, would, he usually, if people came to him at all hours of the day and night, he talked to him. But at one point he was like, okay, it's not my time. I can't do everything. Well, you know how you feel. I mean, you know, he said that. I said that a minute ago. Each day will have trouble of its own. Jesus said that. So, yeah, we have some challenges in life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stuff that, that messes up our lives, okay? Those things we've been set free from. And even if we don't believe it, even if we don't see it, even if we don't understand it, it doesn't change the fact that we're set free. So... I'm going to back up and, and review here for a moment. You know, there was an area, the, the, the title of my message tonight is Let It Go. So there's a reason that I, I uh, there's a reason that, that it's titled that. But I was struggling some time back with an area in my life, and the Lord spoke to me in words so I could actually understand the words. And he says, what do you say, what do you say you let that go? Now, that's a really funny thing to say. To me because, uh, first of all, I was so excited that he talked to me that I just said, of course, yes. But in, in, in the practical life, I, I discovered that it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be to let it go. Ever been there? You don't have to say anything. You don't have to nod your head or anything. No one will know then. Anyway, so, so you know, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a command that he gave me. What do you say uh, you let that go? He, it wasn't a command. It wasn't a threat. It wasn't a guilt trip. He didn't sound mad. Actually, he sounded pretty lighthearted about it. He wasn't over-controlling or overbearing or critical because he's not like that. See, we think he's like that. He's not like that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You know, the, 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 the most troubling thing about it probably was what do you say that you let that go means that I was the one hanging on to it. I was actually not interested in hearing that because uh, in my mind, it was hanging on to me. And again, if you just sit there very quietly, no one will know that you've ever felt that way. But, but you know, I, I, I truly did. I truly thought it was hanging on to me. And sometimes, you know, we need to take a look at things. But, you know, Paul said this, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, verse 4, it says, In your struggle against sin. See, he called it a struggle. 
because we have to get ourselves into faith and we have to get ourselves into a place where we're like ready to deal with something, okay? And he'll get you there. You know, any sin, any habits, anything that he wants you to let go that isn't a sin or a habit, which was the case with the thing he was dealing me about. You know, it's the Hebrews 12 says, let's get rid of the hindrances, anything that slows us down, anything that prevents us from being 100% in this life. You know, those are, he wants us to get rid of those things. He wants us to let go of those things. And so, you know, but, but sometimes uh, if you're me, that you want to argue with that, you want to defend yourself, you want to say, well, it isn't really sin, and I just can't do that, and I, I don't want to do that, and I, 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 I do want to do it, but I don't want to do it. Have you ever been there? Yeah, again, you don't have to nod your head or anything. Just, just listen, all right? You know, I, I, you know Paul talked about in, in uh, Romans chapter 7 about doing the things that he hated. Why do I do this? Why am I acting like this? You know, we've all felt that way. And, and yet God, you know, it, it feels like an emotional roller coaster to us, but it isn't to him. He's just helping us walk it out. He's just given us the strength to do what we need to do. Isaiah 41 says, I will help you. God talking here. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will lift you up with my righteous right hand. You've heard me say that before if you've ever heard me speak because it's one of my favorite verses. But, but you know what? He's right there. He's an ever-present help, David wrote. He's an ever-present help in trouble. So when you feel like you're in trouble and you feel like you're all alone, he knows you feel like you're all alone, but you're not alone. He's right there with you. Lord spoke to me one time, and, he, and you know that verse, you know, that says, in him we live and move and have our being. You know, he said, he said this to me, my life, or your life, he said, your life is expressed within me. I thought, I don't even know what to do with that. Because we think about, okay, I asked Jesus into my heart. No, if you listen to that verse, in him we live and move and have our being. He sees us as being in him. I mean, we know that. We're the body of Christ. We know all that. But, but your life as a Christian, as a child of God, your life is expressed within him. And everywhere you go, he's there. Everything you do, he's there. And when he sees stuff in your life that's hurting you, that's hindering you, that's causing you stress, that's causing you problems, and, and there's something that can be changed about it, then, then he's right there to help. Now, there are situations in our lives that, 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 you know, like when there's somebody else, when we're dealing with another person, okay? There's, you know, when somebody else... We don't have control, direct control over that person. We can pray for them and we can do all sorts of things. But, you know, there are, have you ever been in a situation where you were, you know, had somebody in your family or somebody you were working with who was directly giving trouble to your life? You know, so does God just kill him? No. Does he? Uh, <laughs> that was a joke. OK, for those of you who laughed, who got it, the rest of you who went, <gasps> uh, I was just kidding. OK, um, no, no, he, he, he's not just going to wipe them off the map just because they're bothering you. But you know what he will do is he will help you. He will give you grace. He will give you strength to deal with that. And maybe he'll move you or move them. You know, there's lots of things he might do. But, but you know what? He's always there to help. An ever-present help in trouble. 
You know, when, when we get to a place where we're dealing with something and we say, Lord, I just can't do it. I just can't. You know, Henry Ford said this, you know, he was the founder of the Ford Motor Company, and he was the first person to mass produce automobiles, the Model T, and uh, that was his first one that he mass produced, I believe. And he was quoted as saying, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. <laughs> so here's my suggestion. Here's my advice to you. Get on God's side. If God says you can, then, then get on his side, okay? Because, because I'll tell you what, he's always on your side. And uh, the I can't, you know, do, does not fit with the word. The word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? You know, Pastor Tony says this all the time, that the only, uh, that what trumps God's word, only mine. You know? And, and, you know, back in the day I heard somebody say, you know, you've heard this phrase, uh, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And somebody said, no, 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 no. God said it, and that settles it. No, that's not true. Because what you say about it trumps what God says about it. Because I could walk out of here tonight, and I could drive over to Quick Trip, and rob Quick, Quick Trip, and God would not stop me. Would he? I'm not going to do that, in case you're wondering. I'm not planning to do that. That will not happen. But my point is, is that he's not going to stop you. He'll minister to you in jail. But he won't stop you. See, see, I, I, our words have power. And, uh, and, and so in the course of things, I'm gonna, I want to get back to where I was talking when he said to me, you know, what do you say we, what do you, say you let go of that? And uh, I, I, I struggled with that. And, and it was not too long later, and, and he spoke to me again, and I thought he was repeating exactly what he had said before, because it started out the same. Because I had said to him, why am I having so much trouble with this? Why am I having trouble getting rid of this out of my life? And, and he said, what do you say? And he stopped. And I stood there. You know when you're waiting for someone to finish their sentence? I did that with God. And he didn't say anything. And I thought, ah, what do I say? I say, I can't. I say, I don't want to. I say, there's no reason for this. I say all the things that I shouldn't have said that were not helping me. And, and you know what? By our words. <laughs> Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what he says will come to pass, it'll come to pass. But I wasn't saying the right thing. I was like, you know what? You can change it about three seconds. Did you know that? I changed it about three seconds. I started saying the right thing. I was like, Lord, I'm done with that. I let that go. That's gone in my life. I don't need that. And if you say, I need to let it go, I'm sure there's a good reason that you want me to let it go, and I let it go. And I started speaking the right thing. I'll tell you what, that was the road to victory. Because, again, I don't mean to quote Brother Hagin too often, but, but, but the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin. Uh, and, and, you know, because everybody in the church in his early days, they were going around saying, I just, I just don't have enough faith, or worse, you don't have enough faith, and that's why you haven't received from God. And, uh, 
And, and the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin. He said, my people are not missing it so much in their faith, in their believing. They're missing it in their words. See, if, if you don't say something, if you don't activate your faith, if you don't put your faith to work, if you're just, you know, sitting there hoping that something's going to change and you're not actively doing something about it, and, and, and not everybody wants to hear this, but, but it's not going to change. He didn't say whoever wishes the mountain to be removed. Did you notice that? He said whosoever shall say to this mountain. You know, the, the, the woman with the issue of blood, some people have... Some translations have changed the wording because they'll say, because she thought to herself. No, it doesn't say she thought. It says she said to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she got out of bed and she went to where Jesus was and she took hold of the hem of his garment and was instantly healed. Okay, but she wouldn't have been healed. I'm just going to tell you this. She would not have been healed if she'd have stayed home in bed. Now, does that mean you should come to church sick no matter what? No, that does not mean that. What that means is we got to start speaking and activating our faith. Because I'll tell you, God has set you free. He set you free from everything, according to Acts 13. They're not one thing that you can't. So, so I, uh, I, I learned this. I learned this in the course of things that... that what, what he wants to accomplish in us, what he wants to do in us, can always be done if we'll just get on his side and just start doing it his way. You know, pride, I let that go. I was, I was uh, about the same time as I did that sermon in March. I had to have a medical procedure. And I honestly, I was feeling really anxious about it. I had a whole bunch of symptoms going on. My doctor... I, you know when your doctor gets that look on their face and you're like, you think it's serious, don't you? I can tell you think it's serious. He got that look on his face. It wasn't, by the way. Um, but, but I had to have a test. And I was feeling anxious about it. And I thought, you know, the Lord just reminded me, let it go. You know, I didn't know I could let go of anxiety, but I did. It was gone. I, 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 I was shocked to be honest with you, because I didn't know I could do that. I'm not a huge worrier, but, you know, the enemy will remind you of things, you know. We had a situation just in the last week, and, and I think both my wife and I, the enemy, tried to ding us. You know what I mean? Be like, no, it's all going to be fine. Found out today it was all fine. Amen. See, see, but, but we don't, you know, truthfully, in that situation, the very day that I knew there was a problem right here, it's all good, it's going to be fine. I knew it. So when the enemy starts dinging you, and he will, I'm just going to tell you, you know, somebody, somebody asked Brother Hagen, they came to him and said, can you pray for me that I won't have any more trouble with the devil? <laughs> he goes, do you want me to pray that you die? <laughs> they said no. They did not want that. But he, he said, you're, you're going to have trouble with the enemy. That just... We live in his territory, and you're going to have trouble with that. You're going to have trouble with him, but, but greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. You know, he, he's just all, he got no authority. He's all noise, and you can let that go. You can let go of habits. You can let go of strife. 
You can let go of anger. You can let go of all these things because there's nothing you haven't been set free from. And you can just walk out of it. You know, does it have to be a big, long process? Do you need to go to therapy for six years? No, you can just walk out of it. Now, I'm not saying you don't ever need to go to therapy. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, that you know, you just be led, but God will lead you right out of everything. Now, you think about it. You know, think about where Israel was on the, on the edge of the Red Sea. And Egypt is piling up behind them, the biggest army in the world the strongest army in the world, chariots and footmen, and they're all crowding in, and they can't wait to get past that cloud and that fire and get to the Israelites. And, and, and Moses is like, no, you know, stand firm, and you're going to see the power of God. And they did, and they just walked right out on dry land. You, you, you see, these things were given to us as examples of how God's going to do it in your life. All right. It doesn't matter how big this problem looks. He's made a way for you to walk out of it on dry land. See, they didn't even have to wade through the muck and the mire. No, no, no. They walked through on dry land. How is that possible? Well, with all, you know, with God, all things are possible. We just have to take a hold of it. You know, I, I, I turn over to Luke chapter four. I think this was, I, I love it when Jesus did that, and he, he did it when he went to various synagogues in his day, and, uh, and verse, uh, start with verse 16, now start with verse, well, okay, 16 is good, and Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read, so he did it everywhere he went. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, and he read this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus proclaimed that. He didn't say this will be fulfilled. He said this has been fulfilled. And if it was fulfilled that day when he spoke it, think after the cross, after the Holy Spirit was poured out on us, think how much more we are in a position to walk free from all the things that it lists here. Release to the captives. Have you ever felt captive? I have. Recovery of sight to the blind, and that's figurative and literal. To set free those who are oppressed or depressed. Okay. Yeah, it's done. In his eyes, it's done. We just have to figure out how to follow him through and take, walk on it, walk it on out. All right. I, I said this when I was uh, when we were when we were receiving the offering. You know, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not lack. You know what? All you have to do is follow Him. All you have to do is follow Him. You know, the the Peter and James and John and one other one. I can't think of which one. Who did I skip? Andrew. Andrew. 
They were fishermen. They were alongside the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus walked up to him and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But the part, important part is follow me. You know, that's what we do. When he said to me when I finished Bible school and now your education begins, do you understand? He might as well have just said, and now follow me because that's what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to follow him. He wanted me to follow him wherever that took me physically, whatever town. He wanted me to follow him spiritually and emotionally and intellectually and follow him. That's what he wanted me to do. And you know what? You're no different because he's no respecter of persons. That's exactly what he wants you to do. Just keep following him. Now, now <clears throat> we, uh, we don't always feel like we know what to do. We don't always feel like uh, we, we know how to follow him. But, but, but I'll tell you what. He... <laughs> He will just keep leading you because he loves you. And, and if you don't know how to hear him, just spend more time in the word and you'll start hearing him. You know, he's not going to talk to you in words every day. He doesn't talk to me in words every day. But, but you know what? I, 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 I love speaking. I love preaching because I get to spend extra time studying. And as I'm studying, I just feel, you know, I'm on this verse and he's like, and now this verse. I just know which one to go to, and then this verse, and then this verse, and then tell this, and then say this, and do, do, do. And, and, you know, it's been, it's such, it's so much fun that, that I wish everybody could do it, because it's, it's, it's a fun time. I'll tell you one day, one day I was home studying, I know exactly where I was sitting in my house, and he did this to me five times in a row. He goes, okay, I want you to talk about this. And I said, well, that doesn't fit with my topic. But I turn there, and I'm like, in the verses around it, you know, you're like, oh, that fits perfect. That's amazing. And then as soon as I was done with that, he goes, now do this. And I was like, that doesn't fit with what I'm talking about. So I flipped over there, and the, I'm like, that fits perfect. That's amazing. <laughs> I, no, I'm not joking. Five times in a row, boom, 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 boom. You know, it's just like, yo, that's just God. He'll walk you into life. You know, he came, the Bible says that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. See, if you're walking in a place where I'm just depressed and I'm just overwhelmed and everything's going wrong. No, see, see, you're not looking. You're not looking at him the way you need to look at him. You're not, you need to follow him. Now, I, I assume you're still following, but you need to look at it differently. You need to take a look at him and, and press in and say, okay, Lord, where are we headed? You know, I, uh, I, I, I hadn't, I grew up in church but I didn't grow up in a church that believed in the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't grow up in a church that talked about the anointing and the power of God and believing God and faith. And, and, and I, I'm very grateful for, for what I grew up in. But I, I laughed because you'll think this is funny, too, because I, I, it's a long story. But the Lord led me to this church, and I was pretty sure these charismatics were kind of off their rocker. And I, that, that tongue stuff and that falling down stuff, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know about any of that. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go in and talk to the pastor. And, and I made a list, and it so happened that there were 10 things on my list. And some of them were very personal and very direct about me and blah, 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 you know. So, so I went in, and, and I sat down with him, and I asked him the very first question, and he went and proceeded to answer all 10 of them without me asking the other nine. Now, if you, don't understand, if you don't understand that that was God, see, you just don't know God yet. But 
in, in the course of time, you want to laugh with me again, in the course of time, I decided I needed to, I had a few more questions for him, and I made another list. So happy there were 10 things on that list, too. I asked him the first one on the list, and he answered all 10 of them. And some of them, like I said, were very, some of them were very, very personal, and yet he answered all of them. And, and I guess, I guess when, when I left the appointment, he walked out, and he was so pumped. He was like, I have never had the anointing on me in a counseling, you know, spiritual guidance session. Never had the anointing on me like that. Well, yeah. But see, that was a sign and a wonder for me because God wanted me there. He wanted me planted there. See, I just followed him. You understand? I just followed him. Now, I'm not out looking for weird signs and, oh, you know, a bird flew over my head. That means, no. No, no, I'm not doing anything weird. I, I'm not that guy who, who's doing weird stuff, okay? But, but you know, when the Lord shows you something, when the Lord guides you, see, he, he just, he's just trying to lead you into a good place. Um, I, I remember, I'm going to give you a couple more examples just because, because he doesn't love you any different than he loves me. The Bible says that 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 God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. I could show you that verse, but I, 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 we're not going there. But, but, but hear this. I, I, I was going through a really hard time at my job, and, uh, and, and people were saying stuff. They were telling my boss that I had done stuff or didn't do stuff, that neither of those things were true. They, were tell, they told my boss I was not working, that I was only working a few hours a day. I was like working 60 to 70 hours a week. I was there before anybody else. I was usually there after everybody else left. I'd go home and work all evening just trying to play catch up. And it, I mean, I was working hard, but they were t people were t telling people this and that and whatever, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, but the Lord just walked so close with me through that time. But one morning, um, I was, you know, in that place where you're, you know, uh, you're half awake, <laughs> you know, when you're just starting to wake up, but you're not really 100% awake, but you're just sort of awake. So, so inside of my spirit, I, I heard Psalm 31. I was like, okay. Was that the Lord? I don't know. But I, I, thought, I thought I could, I could look at it and see if it's helpful, because if it's helpful, it was the Lord. But if it isn't helpful, it's just some, you know, psalm where, you know, David's talking about, you know, destroying his enemies or something, you know, I was like, well, that, that wouldn't be helpful. So I opened it up, and, and if, if you were to go read that, it describes all about a situation where David was, had people lying about him and disagreeing with him and coming against him and how God was going to rescue him, and I thought, wow, that was the Lord. But see, just follow him. Just keep following him. That, that's, that's how we succeed in life. Um, did I tell you to turn to 2 Timothy? No. 2 Timothy chapter 2. You know, you understand that the Bible is not a self-improvement book, right? <laughs> it's not about you fixing yourself. It's about what he's already done to fix you and you learning how to take a hold of that. You know, he, he compares the Christian life to 
the conquering of the promised land. And, and, and he didn't just clear all the enemies out of the promised land when Israel came in. They had to conquer one city after another. And that is what you get to do in your life. You get to conquer one thing at a time. And it's the same as that, okay? But if you'll look in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting with verse 19, it says this. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows who are his, that's you. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Well, we know that. Verse 20. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Verse 22, now flee youthful, youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now, now he's talking here, if you back up to where it says in a large house, so there's, there's, you understand in a house back in them, back in those days, they didn't have indoor plumbing. You understand that? So it says there were vessels. You know, you have different things in your house. You have, you know, the, you have probably some nicer dishes. That In our house, there are some nice dishes in a cabinet and some other ones down, you know, protected. And we have some other stuff in a box. And, you know, but, but we don't use those things very often. The everyday stuff's just in the cabinet, and we use that all the time. But, uh, but, but it's, it, it, it's talking about getting rid of the junk in your life, okay? Getting rid of all the stuff that God wants you to get rid of. What is that? I don't know, but you know. Hello. Hello. I don't know what it is. I don't even care. I'm too busy working on my stuff. But you know what? You, you, you can deal with the stuff that God has you dealing with, okay? But, you know, it says here, now look, in verse, look at verse 21. Therefore, do you see that next word? If, if and any, anyone. So, so you're anyone. Does it say he's going to force you to do it? No. It's not legalism. It's not him forcing you to do anything. It's not him being mean and slamming you and threatening you. It's none of that. Just like with me, what do you say? You let that go. I'm telling you, he was real lighthearted about it. I was like, yeah, okay. But, but, but if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to be full of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work? I want to be all that. How about you? That sounds good, huh? You know, we were created in Christ Jesus in the image of our Father God. We were born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. We were purchased Forgiven, saved, sanctified, blessed, filled with the Spirit of God Himself. He took our seared consciences and He gave us a new heart. He adopted us as His sons and daughters. And He stands guard vigilantly over us, compassionately over us, lovingly, even jealously over our lives. And we, He has made us a kingdom of priests and kings. Now, who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? Who wouldn't want to believe that if he said, let it go, there's a good reason to let it go? You know what I'm saying? Now, is he going to force you to? No, he's not. Never. 
That's why what I said earlier, some people live and die and never even start the first phase of their ministry because they're going to be stubborn. We know something about stubborn in my family. I don't know about yours, but I know about mine. We know something about being stubborn, okay? We know something about being hard-headed. We know something about wanting it our way or the highway, okay? Now, I, I, I'm just going to say that life doesn't take you too far. You can live that way. God will let you live that way, but, but he, he doesn't want you to live that way. Um, I wanted to touch on this, and, and we'll do this probably in closing, but look over at 1 John chapter 3. I want you to put your eyes on this. You know, I, I, I heard somebody say this one day, and, and I thought to myself, maybe God treats you different than he treats me, but I, I, I doubt that. I, I don't think God treats any of us Differently Now, he treats us individually, but this person was telling me how hard God was on them. And, and I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, God is hard on you. Okay. Well, it sounds like he's dealing with something, maybe. But then I thought to myself, I don't know. But look at, look at, look at verse, 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 18. Little children... Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. We know, we will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Did you see that? It isn't God condemning you. It's not God being hard on you. Not God beating you up. It's not God stretching you and pushing you and dragging you. It's you. <laughs> it's you doing that to you. Because look at it again. It says, and whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts. You know, he is bigger than anything that's coming against you, including you. And you want to beat yourself up, he'll let you. But I'm just going to tell you, you might as well let that one go too, because he's not beating you up. He's just encouraging you, trying to get you to make some good choices, trying to lead you out of problem areas of your life into freedom. And, and he's not beating you up. He's not making you feel bad. He's not condemning you. Now, I, I know people who think God's doing all those things, but he's not. It says so right here. Look at verse 21, though. It says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. See, see, the enemy wants to beat you up. He wants you to feel bad. He wants you thinking God's beating you up so that you lose your confidence. See, if, if, I, thought, if, if I thought my wife was upset with me, just hypothetically speaking, that would not be a good day for me to go ask her for something. Do you understand that? I'm not going to ask Leanne, you know, hey, could you do this really big favor for me? That's not the right day to do it, the day she's mad at me or upset with me. you understand that? But that's how we treat God. 
we're, we have a guilty conscience, you know, we have sin consciousness, maybe we really did do something, but all we have to do is confess that sin and move on. The Bible says that His mercy, His grace is new every morning. I mean, it's just all good. We put it all behind us. He's forgotten about it. The Bible says that, that as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our sins from us. He's not thinking about it. You're not thinking about what you did last week or last year or 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 50 years ago. You're not thinking about that. He's always looking forward at where he could take you and what you and he could do together. All right. But he's not beating you up and he's not trying to make you feel bad. So so, you know, when our hearts condemn us, you just look to the Lord. Lord, you just keep working in me. I'm just going to keep following you and, and just move on. Uh, Patsy Caminetti, some of you know who she is. Uh, um, some of the ladies have heard her speak down at Ramah. But, but she said, I messed up. I sinned. I messed up for the umpteenth time. And, and she goes, I felt so bad. And I went to the Lord. And, and I said, Lord, what in the world? I can't, I can't seem to get on top of this. And I, and I want to get on top of it. But I, I messed up again. And what should I do? And the Lord said this to her. He said, act like it never happened and move forward. Well, you understand as soon as you confess it, he's forgotten it. You understand that, right? He's not thinking about it anymore, but you are. That's just kind of like, you know. Well, think about this. You know, let's say Leanne had a car accident. She didn't, but let's just say she did. And, and it's like, well, I, you know, every time. So, you know, a month later, I'm like, well, you know, I should probably drive because you had that accident. And then two months later, it's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if you should drive over there because that's where you had the accident. And three months later, the accident. And four months later, the accident. And five years later, the accident. And she's sick and tired of hearing about the accident. You understand that? Uh, you know, she don't want to hear about that anymore. But that's just bad manners, right? We don't remind people. I had a car accident. She never reminded me about it once. God bless you. But, um, <laughs> but, but see, it's just bad manners. Just keep reminding God about the sin you did last week or last year or 30 years ago. Seriously, let it go. He's forgotten about it. If you'd let him, he wouldn't ever think about it again. But you keep reminding him of it. I mean, come on. I didn't mean to say any of that, but somebody probably needed to hear that. So, you know what? God wants you to move forward. He wants you to live in victory. He... Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to just read this to you. Just think about this. In, in Jeremiah 31, it says this. This is our life. This is our spirit-filled life. He says, I will put my law within them and write it on their hearts, and I will be my, their God. I will be their God, and they will be my people. See, he just, he just, his spirit's just in you. He knows everything you need to be doing or not doing. And, you know, you just follow him. You just pay attention to him. You just walk it out with him. It's not stressful. He's not beating you up. He's not condemning you. He's not on your case. He's just trying to get you to a place where you're walking out life as it truly is, as, as he truly knows that is best for you, that's free for you, that's, that's truly walking in freedom. That's what he wants for you. That's all he wants.